Don't mind my hand going in the bag of chips. <laughs> So that's about as much of that as we can play without having to pay for it. Uriah Heap's awesome. Yeah, I don't know why I decided to start the show with that, just because it was cool. Because we, um, we were kind of playing around with the ideas of playing music clips and talking about it and stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yes, yes, we did. We, we, we did talk about that, didn't we? And I forgot the name of the band before we started. No, you had a problem spelling it. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on with you, man? Oh, you know me, you know, same old, same old, doing the music thing. Yeah, um, talk to all the people what's going on with that. Oh, nothing really new. I mean, still kind of just playing around, working with ideas, um, trying to get a, trying to get a second album uh, finished in the works, and been working with a, uh, been working with a little side project. Um, Shout out the name if it, if anybody doesn't know. Oh, that's the thing was we don't actually uh, have a name yet, okay. and it's it's still in its infancy, as it were. <laughs> Yeah. But I don't know. It's kind of it's a fun thing to pass the time and, uh, you know, get out the creative juices, as it were. That's, but, always, that's always a good thing. Yeah. I mean, outside of that, though, I mean, I always freelance with any other groups. Um, but I mean, it really all depends. Actually, I should kind of highlight that. I mean, it depends on really what they're into. If they're trying to kind of wave or ride the wave of like pop genre, then I'm, I don't know. I can't get into that. Yeah, <laughs> pop genre. Yeah, and that you know, it's kind of funny because things that we used to be, we, things that we considered like underground and outlandish and totally out uh, like anti-norm has now become main staples of pop culture. Yeah. They've become their own little sub-pop genres. Like, I never thought cyber goth would be a thing. Yeah, like, that, think that, about that. Think that, about those two genres meeting each other. It's very strange. You know, that shit actually makes me laugh my butt off. <laughs> you know, it, but hey, you know, it is what it is. You I know, mean, it's, it's like, you know, when we were growing up, we were like <laughs> skaters, punks, what else, like... Yeah, I mean, the things that, you know, you couldn't listen to in school, like back without getting chastised by so many people. I mean, you had heavy metal, you had punk rock, and you know, you had alternative, but even in the 90s, alternative had its own, like, you know, wave of popularity. Mm-hmm. But I, so try not to chew into the mic, guys. I just, I just got the munchies. Nothing wrong with chips. <laughs> Go ahead. But think about this, though that nowadays you have like heavy metal bands that get just as much airplay now as like pop groups used to get back in the you know 80s and 90s <coughs> right right and it, it's 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 really an interesting kind of like a, a turnaround because mm. shit like back in the day like bands like amon amarth um hell yeah you know so good good call out on that one you know they had really like they were really great bands but they have videos arc, arc enemy yeah, that, arc, the, yeah, yeah. That, that, that just pops into my head when you mention, uh, like, Kitty. Like, like when I think about metal, I go all over the place. Like, I just, I think metal has gotten really soft. Like, because, like, when you and I got into metal, you know, you, you're looking at, like, Cannibal Corpse, Pantera. Like, the, the definition for metal now seems a lot softer. 
But, you know, also got to look back to, like, Iron Maiden and stuff like that. Too. Right. Well, the thing is, you look at the dynamic, really, of the subject content. And that's really where I kind of think metal took its its turn. Is that, you know, the the dark connotations, you know, they're, they're very there. You know, they're there in the beginnings. And they stay out through the 90s. And then at some point after the millennia, the generation that kind of fell into making or making that as popular as it is now <clears throat> kind of added this undertone of um emo for lack of a better <laughs> term i mean and that's what i kind of that's where i kind of got off the trolley is that the music itself is still good as far as the interest instrumentals mm -hmm. there's a lot of great developments that came about with that but as far as heavy metals concerned i really don't think that a song you know being completely revolved around an ex-girlfriend <laughs> dumping you for some yeah. guy and then you're all sad and angry and you're not you know it, it's it's not even that they're saying that to close it off with a rise you know mm -hmm. they make the entire subject content of just that loop of i'm alone i'm sad <laughs> but i'm gonna scream it out and you know so you're still talking about on the, the vein of emo right yeah yeah, yeah and okay. that's it, it, that's why i don't think metal is what it used to be but you have like really good bands out there that kind of stick true to the content so, uh, of of aggression you know and that's <clears throat> i mean that's kind of really what i always thought it should be is like raw you know mm -hmm. something that you, yeah you have to vent out your emotions through it and there are bands that are able to pull it off in a way that it's not revolved around the depressive side of it. It's like it has its arch of it starts off, okay, this happened, and now I'm sad. Yeah. But then the build up towards the middle of the song where he starts to build up that anger, that that relentlessness of I don't want to feel this way. And then in the end, it closes off either with they've risen above it and they're happy and they're moving on, or they've or risen it, above it and they've taken their revenge. Or swearing their revenge. You know, exactly. Yeah. You know, there there there's there's a there's a good rise to it to where it doesn't have to come back down at the end of the song to where but I'm sad anyways and then you have your end chord and then <laughs> ring out with this poor little kid with short hair covered in <laughs> tattoos all the way know, up to his eyeballs sulking uh, you know under a spotlight it's like okay yeah it, we like, get it and he's only the secondary singer because the other singer is a deathcore singer right yeah and, yeah and that, yeah that that's another thing too. yeah. So like for me, like why I brought that up is I'm a, I'm a like my thing is I'll never get away from how much I love the sound of like '90s. I'm, I I know I'm gonna catch flashback for this, but like '90s new metal, and um, there's there's other like I I really love black metal and stuff like that. But like bands like Primer Fifty Five, uh, Primer Fifty Five. Uh, I used to like Disturbed. The shit sucks after the first album. <laughs> uh, Static X, Cold Chamber. Mm. You know, like that's that's my favorite music. Yeah, and I can be hip with that. I'm hip, yeah, you know. And I, I'm I'm really particular. Oh, Mudvayne, but yeah, like I'm Mudvayne. really I'm really particular with because like I like the sound of metal for me. The one the, the one that I like is the genre that I just explained. Right. Like that's the way I like my metal to sound. Right. I hate sing. Like if I'm gonna listen to metal, I don't want to hear singing. I want to fucking hear metal. Right, <laughs> you know, but even then, there's some bands that can actually pull it well, off, that's, and they that, that is true. That is true. But Slipknot the, does that. Yeah, right. But the key is, is that you don't make it overbearing, and you don't make it such a common staple of every single song that mm. people get burned out on. You it. Remember Spinechank? Oh yeah, they were good. Yeah. They they were like our uh, industrial version of Deftones. Right. 
You know, and Deftones was never a band I could get into. I really loved their first like three albums. And uh, I might be doing my math wrong, but then White Pony came out. Hmm. And that's when Chino stopped screaming. Oh, I remember and, that and, album. And, like, he did a really great song with uh, Maynard from Tool. Hmm. But you have to be a, a Tool fan to enjoy that, right. that song. Cause, like, at and that, that's a, that's kind of the funny thing. Most people would then be in it for Tool rather than Deftones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because like, like, Around the Fur came out. And, like, you know you know I me. Mean? You remember that time with me, dude? I was fucking spiked hair, metalhead, fucking oh, yeah. louder, heavy. And then like around the fur, not around the fur, but uh, that song uh, "House of Flies" or mm-hmm. whatever. And like going back to school. <laughs> I'm like, what, Chino, what happened? <laughs> and then you read into it later, he just stopped doing heroin. Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, like oh, I hope I hope not all metals fucking uh, forged on heroin. Well, mo- oh, dude, that's a a, lot of it. <laughs> that's the thing is there's like music in general is forged on drugs of various kinds, and it doesn't even have to be the illicit kind. That's kind of the funny thing. Is that there are bands that are revolved just around things like coffee to get them through it? I mean, well, I th- think about bands like Cottonmouth Kings, their whole weed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think they're making albums anymore. But. They're doing their own separate things. I yeah. think Richter. Uh, Richter Johnny has Richter some. is one of my favorites, man. Mm, Johnny he, Richter is awesome. I don't know if D. I think last I heard, D. Look has like a uh, some kind of bike shop or something like like a motocross yeah. shop. Yeah, he, I don't know though. He had so some personal. On that. He had some personal trouble with uh, his kid. Like I don't know the particulars. I just. People that I know mentioned like it was I don't know, but yeah, bands bands like that used to be like to this day is what I enjoy the most. But I'm really open to new stuff like uh, the band Avatar that I've showed you from Sweden. Yeah. Those guys are just Swedish black metal and <laughs> it's badass and I it's, love it. You see, but that's the thing for me when it comes to to music. It's so difficult for me, and I've said this so many times on, especially on this show, yeah. is that it's difficult for me to get into new music because. Oh, yeah it doesn't have that same that same quality mm-hmm. you know there are bands that do oh come i get out, what you mean you i know? get what you mean yeah there are a lot of there are quite a few bands that have it's like the craftsmanship is not as much there right or the the form they try to they try to modify the formula uh a general formula of the genre and kind of try to write off that you know it's kind of like what kids did like a little bit after the grunge movement died out in the late mid 90s um, you know, you had bands like Silverchair coming Dude, out. Silverchair was awesome. You know, and don't get Frog me wrong. Stomp, Frog yeah, Stomp. I have that album, and yeah. I think it's a good album. But what I thought was funny is that it arrived at a time that with genres that reach popularity, when you have bands that come out, the you have industries that go headhunting for bands that will literally just ride the coattails of what you know what the band is it'll follow a look or a sound yeah and and that's really where where i see with metal is that they'll try to write you know they'll, they'll use a what they consider to be a generalized formula of drop d you know uh down to- cord- down toning exactly you know power chord progressions at you know 210 you know 210 bpm and <laughs> you know, screaming, you know, trying to make yourself either sound like an angry cookie monster or a male banshee. You I, know, I actually listened. I didn't. Mean, I didn't mean to cut you oh, off. No, finish no, your thought. No. Well, I I, uh, I listened to uh, last podcast and all that. Big shout out, guys. Uh, they were explaining uh, like Norwegian black metal and stuff, and expla- mm-hmm. explaining where like the metal sound, or of course, to the uninitiated, actually developed in Sweden and moved its way this way because it ex- actually was like a Masonic thing. It's like it was actually to dispel spirits, and that worked its way into its folk music, and and like, it, but that's at its core. Like I, I'm talking out my ass. Or, or are you talking about the like, scream? 
Oh, okay. Are you talking about like um, that that guttural yeah, like, yeah. growl? Like it's it's like uh, from what I understand, like I said, talking out my ass. Like that's where it kind of came from. It was a ritual to dispel, like in in ritual song to dispel spirits to be strong and intimidating. You see something like that, I could see. And you know, I'm I'm one of the people that definitely believes that as far as heavy metal is concerned. It began in Britain, you know. I really, yeah, yeah. I really think that's you know it's a truism. You thinking like uh, like Iron Maiden? Uh, well, like Sabbath, Sabbath you know, yeah. Sabbath, uh, Judas Priest, Judas Priest, you know, Sabbath, cats Judas. like that. Um, but you know, that's you know that's a that's a British you know British thing, and we of course adopt it, and like we do with so many other things when it comes to music, is that if it comes from somewhere else, we bring it into here, integrate it with our population, and then we re-spin it into something else, which then becomes popular in the original country that it came from. I think, and, and what I think, I just find that so ass hilarious. Ass hilarious. That's a new word. You know, ass hilarious. hilarious. Dude, fist bump. I'm gonna hashtag this ass hilarious. Ass hilarious. I don't know. We're gonna have to work out how we're gonna spell that, but. Continue. <laughs> I just got excited just about it. Just ass hilarious. I got something really just cool. take out the H. <laughs> I, I got something really cool to show you once I get through the ad here. Like, um, I th I'm not going to tell you what this is. I'm sure you've heard it because you're a lot into music. You know, you're, you're, I just want you to tell me if you've heard this and what you think. Of course, I'm, mis I'm going to fast forward a little bit so we can actually play it. Was it Jonathan Davis? Listen to this. I don't care if we get pulled for this. I want you to hear this. <laughs> you say that now. <laughs> well, I can always dub it down. <laughs> Listen to this fucking chorus, dude. What do you think about that, man? Sounds good. Like it's uh, it gets really heavy, but he finally got back into metal. Hmm. You know, he hasn't done they haven't done like metal singing in like the last like five albums. Well, the whole thing, I mean, I don't know. Other, other than his like hardcore bebop. I mean, I I, I liked Corn and Jonathan Davis for that like maybe the first two albums they put out, and then I've always been a big fan. See, that was the thing is I kind of dropped out of it because I saw how. I mean, and that's kind of the, the weird thing about me when it comes to music is if it jumps popularity way too quick, I tend to kind of drop out of it because then all of a sudden something that I liked is now all around me and I can't help but, uh, you know, be bombarded by it. Mm. And that's like kind of like what uh, what happened with the Deadpool movie. Oddly enough, so oh, many dude, people were so they're just good. I mean, so many people were telling me you gotta see, you gotta see, you gotta I see. I can't say you and, gotta see it, but it's good, man. But then also all the merchandising, all the media attention, all everything that went with it is what really dissuaded me towards wanting that. to actually watch it. And, you know, that that that's the part that kind of pisses me off. It's like I love Deadpool. I love the character of Deadpool. You know, I remember following him back in the early, early years when he was yeah. just considered a straight anti, you know, anti-hero slash villain. He, he was comic relief. Mm-hmm. And so after that, you know, I was like, okay, fuck that. Same thing with music and most things, you know, if it's 
if it's too popular too fast, there's a reason. I was that way it. with Game of Thrones. Everybody tells me I'm horrible for not finishing it, but I just didn't. Well, you're not really missing much as far as the ending goes. Well, I already know, like I, I know every everybody I know watches it. I already know what happens, right? <laughs> and the thing was, I mean, for me, it was just something to watch. I wasn't like you know I had to be there to watch it or mm-hmm. anything like that. If I missed it, oh well, you know I know at some point somebody's gonna release it to DVD, and I'll just buy it then and watch yeah. it on my own goddamn time. That that makes like uh, we were talking earlier. That w- makes me want to go to The Witcher and how awesome it fucking was. No, oh, yeah, that you know and that's a great series. I would definitely recommend it, but I'm not gonna say, oh, it's you know, one something you have to see. <laughs> like, like I'm like the audience out there knows that I'm obsessed with the series called The Expanse and uh, the book in particular. Yeah, yeah. And they've uh, they've made some new seasons on TV, and there's a new one on Amazon. Amazon actually bought the series, yeah. which is really cool. Fucking Bezos. Uh, yeah. But I haven't watched it yet because, for, like, I just, I get, I watched, like, like uh, with my girlfriend, I've been watching um, Life in Pieces, which is really great. Have you ever seen that show? Mm-mm. It's a really interesting take at a sitcom to where it's, um, the, the family's called The Shorts, and each episode starts with uh, four shorts of the family, something, some play on words of four short stories, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So like it's 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 like eighteen minutes of four different stories and it's pretty hilarious. Mm. Like they they just bring it together really quick and make a make a joke. Word. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. <laughs> but I wanted to talk to you about the new Joker, dude. Yeah, I mean I I only saw like a few uh, few snippets of the movie, um, and from what I saw and from some of the some of the interviews and stuff of Joaquin Phoenix that I've seen. Um, I actually really. I think he won an Oscar or an Emmy. Or something. Yeah, yeah, he won an Oscar for it, and deservingly so. I mean, from the parts that I saw, it's a really good delve into not even like what we've done in the what people have done in the past with Joker, as far mm-hmm. as making him like over the top psychotic, you know, feral almost. Yeah, and I have a lot of input here, but I want you to finish your thought. Like he has um they they present a dynamic of his um basically his fall from grace, quote unquote, um in a, in a very um uh what's what's the way I should put it? Because you and I love this character. Oh, indeed. You know, and he, it, they pre- present it in such a dramatic way to where you empathize with the villain rather than just condemning him. You already know that he's going to do some twisted fucking shit at some point in his life or at some point just even in the movie. But the way you see him get to that point mm-hmm. gives him more of a um, of a personal uh, personal quality. It makes that, him more physical. Yeah, people can identify with that more, and especially nowadays with the amount of mental illness that goes around. You know that that people are born with to deal with every single day, ranging everything from bipolar disorder to clinical depression to uh, paranoid schizophrenia. Um, you know, and there's so many more things that they're finding out about the human brain and some of the things that even back in the day that people used to, you know, downplay as just being quirky or whatever Mm, are now being considered as very, very serious mental deficiencies. Yes. And I I connected a lot with this movie and I, I did too, actually. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt your stream of thought. Oh no, no, no. It's all good. Um, but the scene that, you know, the, the one that rang out with me the most Oddly enough, you know, and and there's probably a few people out there say, oh, yeah, just because it's so, you know, flash in the pan or not flash in the pan, uh, just, you know, flashy and overly, overly mediated. 
um, is the scene where he kills Murray on live TV. Mm-hmm. Is the lead up and he, to and that. he asks him to call him the Joker. Did that, he? That's how that works on the movie. Like real up up top. As long as you're okay, yeah. there'll be spoilers. And no, I don't. I'm gonna see it anyway. Okay, at some so point. just as long as it's okay for spoilers, <clears throat> just spoiler alert. If you guys don't want any spoilers, just keep skipping. Plug your ears. Just keep, <laughs> just keep skipping till just keep skipping till you don't hear the word Joker anymore. <laughs> but but go ahead, continue. Oh no, I was continuing. You were gonna continue. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, um, he the whole thing was is that Joaquin Phoenix Joker did a stand up. Okay, so in the movie, his whole thing is he has that condition to where he, when he's nervous, he laughs. Yeah. So he does a stand-up routine that's actually recorded and broadcast on TV where he can't stop laughing, mm-hmm. and he fucks his jokes up. So his character, uh, what's his, uh, uh, Robert De Niro's character, mm-hmm. has like a talk show like Johnny Carson. Yeah. And he he's like, he plays it and makes fun of him. He's like, like look at this joker, look at this joker, look at this joker. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right, yeah. And, and the movie plays out, and he gets invited onto the show, you know, like just as a character, mm-hmm. and he says, "Like, okay, I'm gonna dress up and call me the Joker. Call me, call me Joker." And, and it, he has this amazing monologue right before he yeah. shoot, right before he shoots him. And like, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna open the fucking can of worms. Like, I have you know, you and I both deal with mental illness, yeah, in yeah, one and yeah, one in one way or another, in one way or another. Well, that's the thing. I think we all do to a degree, but there's some of us. Like myself and like yourself, who have specific types that are a little bit more domineering than what most people yeah, have. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, for me, the main one that really started. Did you remember in two thousand six when I got hit by a car? Yeah, yeah. And I, like I, like I've I've been actually I don't I'm not very open with this, but I've actually been going to therapy every Wednesday for a long time, and uh, been like getting brain scans and stuff like right. that. Like I I. It's, this is a very wrong way to say this, but I show stuff that is uh, comparable to CTE. Mm. You know, it's not, to, I can't say I have CTE. Like, there's no way to tell that until you dissect the brain. Right. But, you know, like, I show, I'm showing signs, you know, like a short temper, memory loss, mm. just weird ass shit. So, and it sucks, but, you know, like, uh, every couple months I get my brain scanned. Anybody out there uh, didn't realize that I'm crazy? I'm crazy. <laughs> crazy is as crazy does crazy man. is as crazy does i mean you know and uh, you know i got my things that i deal with i don't really you know there it's a, you could write it you can make a list on a <laughs> roll of toilet paper and still need another roll but i it, it's it's something that i could really identify with on not just a personal level but also a little bit more broader that it, it also taps on social um, you know, social levels, because mm-hmm. a lot of what I saw on that in that movie, even for the the clips that I saw, it really resonated with you know the way the world reacts, the way our nation yeah. reacts. But that's you know it's a political thing. But um, the 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 whole movie, I, you know, from what I saw, it looked the whole movie looks really it's fucking amazing. Awesome. It's amazing. And the, okay, here another big spoiler alert. Okay, so when he shoots Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. There's this huge because there's been this gang of people calling themselves the Joker's wearing masks, yeah. whatever. You guys look at that. But uh, when he shoots Robert De Niro, he gets arrested. He they t- they put him in a cop car and they drive away. And then the cop car gets T-boned mm. by people wearing Joker masks. Yep. And then they show the movie theater showing Zorro. Yeah, and then Thomas Wayne and yeah, Martha are coming yeah. out. Yeah, I was like, or no, what? Thomas Wayne. What was his mom's name? Uh, Martha. Yeah. Was it Martha? Yeah. Huh. 
just like Martha Kent. Yeah, that's why I was like, wait a minute, did I just misquote? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it, all in all, I thought it was an amazing, like, he deserved any award that he got for yeah, that. Yeah, like, definitely. Like Even the, though his acceptance speech was a little weird. <laughs> well, like, his, uh, his solo scenes where he, like, he was on his own. Mm-hmm. Like, my favorite scene from the entire movie is just about to get fired because he had a gun. Mm. And then he gets called into the office and he's buttoning up his jacket and he's just walking down the hallway laughing. Yep. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And you're like, I, you know, that's me, but I go the other direction. I, I like get debilitated, nervous. Mm. You know, like, like uh, in the movie, he's on the bus and he's laughing and he's got these cards, like, when he, because he can't explain himself because he's laughing. So he hands these cards out and says, I'm sorry. The cards say, I'm sorry. This is, mm-hmm. I have this problem or whatever. Like, is it's just shot amazingly. Right. I, I, I forget what year it takes place in, but there's this whole the whole thing that really makes him snap in the movie is he starts to believe, he is led to believe that he's Bruce Wayne's brother. Huh. Yeah, it's, it's just this, it's this whole thing where he's, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember seeing like a clip of that because his mom, uh, as she's dying, he goes to see, pay like he finds out yeah. so, he steals her medical file. Yeah, and then he pays uh, Thomas Wayne a visit. Yeah. <laughs> you see, I actually kind of liked the dynamic in that movie because it paints Tom Wayne, Thomas Wayne in a different light. <laughs> rather Sleazeball. Yeah, because a lot of people, like especially through the comics, they see Bruce Wayne's dad and they present his dad as this kindly father figure who looks after people, is the pillar of the community. You know, basically the, the, the class act of all Gotham. Just and just like Tony Stark's dad, what's his name? I, fuck if I know. I don't like Iron Man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll move on then. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. I'm, you know, for the nerds it's, out it's there. It's all good. It's all good. You know, we like what we like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong. I like Bruce Wayne. Tony Stark is a little bit too much of a douche, particularly <laughs> when it came to the uh, to the outing of Peter Parker. Yeah. That, that, that kind of put the nail in the coffin. All right, you're just a... Dick. What do you think about what do you think about Batman versus Leonardo from Do- Leonardo from the Turtles? I could see that happening, but the thing is, with because well, Bat- they've, they've been in comics together. Oh yeah, but then again, though, Batman is one of those ones that's hard to beat because of so how so much that all the things that he knows, you know, that's the, the thing. That's the thing. It's because I'm Batman. Like if you ask if you ask, if somebody asks you a question and you respond with because I'm Batman with enough confidence, they're gonna be like, all right. like i don't know man and that's kind of it's that's pretty silly but yes batman is one of those heroes that is really hard to beat especially when you it's because the way he's written and designed exactly is when you can and especially when you can confine it to something like hand-to-hand combat you know i mean if you were to go that route if you were to straight just put it into a hand-to-hand fight you would literally have to put him up against somebody like Lobo or Deadpool. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And almost basically impervious characters. Well, I feel like Batman would be smart enough if he had a second chance. If he had a, to realize that maybe he would have to like uh, disintegrate Deadpool's genes at like a like oh, a uh, superpower beatdown did that. Right. Like, yeah, like Joker had an acid that would uh, dissolve Deadpool at a molecular level. But but that's the thing though. But that that's in, that's adding an outside element. If exactly. You're, if you're right. You're, yeah, you're if, right. If, if you're putting it just into a fist fight, you know that's you know. So that, do you do you subscribe to the camp that uh, Batman knows all known martial arts styles? I don't think he would. I, I remember in the OG comic. Well, I can't say OG. Like 
eight late eighties, early nineties, it was thirty two styles. Well, you think about this too. Bruce Wayne had X amount of time in his young years to learn what he learned before he became Batman. Mm. Now, after he becomes Batman, I'm I would be absolutely be surprised if he created style. Well, exactly. And then not to mention that I'm sure that after he became, you know, becomes Batman, he learns several more styles, creates some styles, utilizes, you know, a Jeet Kundo-esque form of Jeet his Kundo, own. Jeet Wing Chun, you know, uh, Krav Maga, Hapkido. But it, that, Maybe this, not Krav Maga because that's kind of new. But to say that he knows it all, yeah, that's that's, that is a hard thing to say because, I mean, granted, Batman's a timeless character, but throughout his adventures and all the things that he does and all the supervillains he thwarts, where the hell does he get the time to learn all this shit? Yeah. I mean, I could see him studying various diagrams, working out the scenarios in his head, and then implementing them almost in a trial-by-fire scenario. That's feasible. But if he was to learn every single martial art known to mankind, that requires... It's just impossible. Yeah, it's just impossible. That's why I asked the question. Like, no man in an... In, a lifetime could achieve something like that. You could you could really make a good dent. I would definitely say that, but I really don't think that you could. Well, like I, I guarantee, it all out. I guarantee you these. There's tiny like old tribes of Irish cultures that had more their own martial art. No, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, but so that's why. Like, let's give it the benefit of the doubt. We'll go with like the old, like the '90s uh, the '90s description of okay, 32 styles. Okay, he's Batman. Okay, 32 styles. Right. But, so I think that he would be adapt. You know, at thirty-two styles, I think he'd be adaptable to anything that somebody would throw at you. There's only right. so, there's only so many ways the bodies can, the bodies the body can move. Exactly. But then again, though, I mean, any what I think a really wise way to approach martial arts is the same way you would approach a buffet. There you go. Take what you want and leave the rest. <laughs> well, you know what I love. You know the, the Wing Chun, the Wing Chun, just Jeet Kune Do. That's that's what I love and Jiu Jitsu. Right, the jujitsu like takes all like say you know you have to say that it goes to the ground, but a skilled jujitsu master will take you to the ground every time. Mm. You know, like jujitsu, like you might think you're a tough guy, and you have no training, you get you get manhandled. Right, like I remember my very first jujitsu class got choked the fuck out. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! Even Ed O'Neill, man, Al Bundy himself does jujitsu. Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. Yeah, and um, uh, uh, R.I.P. to uh, Randy Bourdain. Mm-hmm. Dude, he, dude, he black belted like in record time. Right, record time. Like who? Um, just because it's on my mind right now. Like we were talking about earlier, we really don't know a lot of fighters offhand. Mm-hmm. Who, who piqued your interest that you took notice of? Um, as far as uh, are you any... a name that stuck in your head? You're like, oh, that guy's good. In or... like UFC, anything, or anything. Oh well, the name <laughs> the names that always stand out in my mind when it comes to professional fighting of any kind is mainly in boxing because oh. that's the one that I used to really follow the most. Yeah, yeah. and especially you know growing up because we were kids of the '80s, mm-hmm. you know you had boxing that came on on Every, Friday and Saturday Friday, nights. Friday Saturday nights, yeah. you know, so that was something to watch. And this was long before UFC was even a a, a thing. Yeah. So, I mean, we got to see that, and that's really where I kind of fell in. And then the more I learned about it, and then when I started practicing it myself, you know, I got to really appreciate the sport of it. 
And that's when I started learning about boxers like, you know, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, nice. you know, De La Hoya, Tyson, <laughs> Marvin Hagler. I mean, you know, even the old schoolers like Liston. Um, you know, of course, you know, you have Muhammad Ali. You know, there, there's just a plethora of really awesome boxers out there. Um, but that's just me. Well, I mean, well I, uh, boxing is really big in the Irish culture, too. Exactly. So, yeah. like, you know, I grew up, like, uh, the stuff that I watched was, uh, my grandpa was really obsessed with, like, the old black and white boxing films. Mm-hmm. And I forget the guy's name. And this, you know, this makes me feel really bad. But he was, he was, he was African-American. And he, the whole thing, he always wore cut off jeans. And he just beat the crap out of everybody. <laughs> and I just can't remember. And he's famous. He's famous. And it just makes me feel bad. I don't remember his name. Right. Well, then there, but then again, though, especially around that I can't time. Rem- I can't remember an Irish boxer. Yeah, there's, there's a slew of extremely talented and champion worthy fighters out there. There's a, right there. There's an Irish martial art pugilism. Yeah, exactly. And the whole thing with pugilism, you're not supposed to dodge. You're supposed to just take it. Well, I you know I think there is a little bit of a bob and weave well, that is permitted. Well, well, here's the thing: is the the this African American guy that I was talking about was beating all these Irish boxers because they wouldn't dodge, hmm. and he would dodge. Well, maybe they just <laughs> didn't think he had the gumption to knock them out. You never know. <laughs> he fucking laid them out. You know, man. for a fact, there was whiskey involved. Oh, yeah, so that's I mean, right, that's right. Co- confidence could be you know a little bit off. Yeah, skew. And, and this was mm-hmm. you know this is when you know it wasn't good to be a black celebrity. Right. You know, but you know I've, that drives me crazy. I can't remember his name. <clears throat> but I mean, like, oh, God. It was well. It was kind of funny we were talking about earlier. I mean, uh, we I went to see our friend from high school, Dusty Thurn. Go. Oh yeah, tell, yeah. Speaking of fighters, yeah. I mean, I went to go see him fight. We got to tag him on this. Yeah, definitely. Um, I got to go see him fight. I mean, that you know that kid can throw down, man. You know, I got to see. It was uh, all in traditional Muay Thai style. Oh, I was which ask. is another one of my favorites. Uh, kickboxing from Thailand. It's really awesome. If, if you're not initiated with uh, Thai kickboxing, they call. It, Give them a quick explanation of the art of the eight limbs. Well, I mean, essentially, it's utilizing your limbs in... Uh, it's all strikes. I mean, they have, like, certain takedowns that they use, but a lot of it is uh, broad kicking into, you know, we can, you know, take out your legs, your arms, your midsection. The shin kicks are particularly impressive. Yeah, and it's a lot of uh, training and uh, conditioning oh. when it comes to nerve uh, nerve reception. Uh, a lot of deadening of the nerves in the in the laterals and also in the obliques uh, and the shins. Um, a lot of elbow usage, um, and it's a very uh, ancient style. It's actually I can't off the top of my head know remember how long it. Well, when they start studying running. super early in life too. Mm-hmm. Well, the earlier the better because you can get you know your hamstrings and all that stuff, your body conditioned to it a lot easier than you would if you if you did it at an older age. But not to say that it's impossible. It just takes more time and a lot more concentration. I always call box. I always call boxing the art of punching. Yeah, and well, that's a, the other thing about boxing too that I personally liked. Um, once I started learning the sci- the biological science behind it, of uh, the uh, serious emphasis in the punching power itself. Dude, yeah. And I mean, I've I've seen was it? I can't remember. I think it was fight science. Yeah, when I they did fight did, science so good. When they did the comparison of which style has the strongest for you know the strongest it's punch. boxing, it's American boxing. Yeah, and because that is literally your striking tool, that's where all it's con, you know con, con, confined. And not to see you, know, you also have leg work and things like that, which are obviously extremely important as well. But I mean, you can't the dis- you the can't discipline, kick. the discipline of Muay Thai has always impressed me. Oh yeah, that I mean, it's definitely a, a, a wonderful style. 
And, you know, I got to see actually quite a few fights that night because he was uh, he wasn't the main card, but he was very close to it. So we got to see a lot of the a lot of the undercard fights. Nice. And that was really cool to watch. Yeah. So we had, when we post this episode, we'll tag Dusty on Facebook and all that stuff. Like just shout out, watch, like go see his fights whenever he's out there. Go check him out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know what? I, I actually appreciated the most, though, um, aside from his fight is watching a lot of the undercards. You know, some of these guys, the, you know, uh, they... The, the newcomers, the people that are trying to prove something. Right, and then you could tell, you know, the ones that were really... They they knew the style, but they didn't know how to put it together inside of the ring. They they, showed, they haven't been doing it since they were five. Or or just the fact that they're not, you know, used to, used to such a confined art either. You know, there's so many variables. But what I thought was kind of cool was... Um, the ones that put on the best shows w- and showed the most, like, um, <clears throat> for lack of a better term, gusto, Gumption. were the uh, were the were the ladies. There was oh, I a, believe there it, was dude. a few female fights that night, and they put on the best show because they were beating the shit out of each other. They were very uh, coordinated in their strikes. More technical. They, yeah, they really put themselves into it as opposed to some of these other guys that were just kind of you know they're bulky as shit you know just built, throwing their weight around yeah no well, i mean not like fat but like you know built like a you know they were built and must very muscular but they were kind of just broad swinging throwing wild kicks here and there and it's like okay it's, you know they're then they come into the ring with this you Bravado. know yeah Bravado, very yeah. very egotistical form of pageantry for themselves and you know you can tell that uh, at least I could that some of those fights were just going to be like, okay, this guy is really cocky as shit. <laughs> um, he doesn't really seem like he's, you know, he's into it. So, and then more often than not, those same guys were the ones that were getting knocked out or losing by decisions, you yeah. know, and things like that. I got something here. I found him. I'm going to play, I want to play this for you. Round 12 was all Jack Johnson. In round 13, it appeared as though the police were going to step in and stop the fight as a result of Burns' weakened condition and the terrible beating he was taking. Here in round 14, Johnson rushes in, lands an uppercut, three left hooks, a tremendous barrage of punches, lefts and rights which have Burns helpless. At this very moment, in the early seconds of round 14, the police shut off the motion picture cameras (laughs) and stepped into the ring awarding the heavyweight championship of the world. See, th- that's so cool. Like, we don't have fighters like that anymore. <laughs> Fucking 14 rounds or whatever he was saying. Oh, that's all I mean, was it? There are some professional fights that go up, you know, 12, I think 12 rounds yeah. is the max. How, how long did, uh, <clears throat> how long did uh, Merriweather and McGregor go? Oh, fuck if I know. Any Anything involving... I watched it, but I don't any, remember a thing about it. Well, that's the thing, is that anything involving either of the two, it just really dissuades me. I don't like Mayweather as far as um, him trying to pose himself off as a legitimate boxer. I mean, he's got the financial... He just runs as- away. <laughs> <clears throat> well, it's not even much of that, is that he... Um, he's become a businessman as far, as opposed to being an actual athlete. He knows, I mean, and that's the thing, is that dude knows how to make his money. I will not yeah. contest that one bit. But as far as um, the actual, you know, the practice of being able to knock a, you know, knock a quality boxer out, that is where I think he doesn't have it anymore. And But the, then, then again, though, I mean, that's kind of the thing is when you find yourself in a position that he is, is that this is something he's going to ride until he dies. 
but how he does it now is what he has to adapt to and to change. So instead of being, you know, the one punch, you know, knockout king, he now has to play more of a Don King type of role of promotion of not just of the sport, but mainly of himself to really kind of flood it out there to make people see him, to remember his name, be like, oh, okay, well, that's Mayweather. We know him. He's won a couple of titles in his time. So, you know, that's the guy that we're going to want to see whether or not he actually wins. <laughs> and so <clears throat> with all that, I mean, it's, um, I don't know. I just, I don't really consider him much of a boxer anymore. I just consider yeah. him more of a, of a professional businessman. Last thing I saw him do was uh, McGregor. And, and with McGregor, I mean, there's another fall from grace. I mean, that guy, you know, had a very awesome career, you know, with mixed martial arts and the whatnot. And then he gets into this weird, you know, thing with uh, promoting his businesses and, you know, his whiskey and then turning his... Suits, his make suits, too. Right. And then turning his, uh, turning his personality on screen and in the ring into this weird kind of like WWE yeah. you know wrestler i mean that the He's like a heel right i mean it's kind of like what the hell dude i mean if you wanted to be a wrestler just you know cut your cut your uh, that's what Rousey did yeah cut your career here go be a fucking wrestler do whatever you want i mean but don't try to integrate these theatrics into you know UFC, even though I think UFC in Throw, itself throwing is, that fucking chair in the bus. Yeah, and, and that and, and that's exactly what I was talking about. And you know that type of thing is just it's not it doesn't help you at all. And I think in some cases there is such a thing as bad publicity because at that point, yeah, people are gonna remember you. Yeah, but they're gonna be remember you for being an asshole, not <laughs> all the fucking victories you had or some of the good things you may have done. I mean, that's you leave a mark. It does make a difference. Yeah, and that's the thing about. Um, like media attention is that especially in the United States is that you fuck up and you know people hear about it <laughs> guess what i mean you're you're marred with that for the rest of your career well, and at, the rest of your life depending on how famous you are look at charlie sheen with <clears throat> all the tiger blood yeah right <laughs> i mean i still like charlie sheen though he just know, he just got crazy for a while yeah, and then there's some levels that you know that you know hey okay he was wild for a while and now he seems to be doing all right he's doing good things and then people can appreciate you at that point that's kind of <laughs> it's kind of like the weird aspect of it is that people will like you after you've been through the shit and you gary Busey. <laughs> yeah and you can show them that hey you know i fucked up but i'm i am making a difference well look at robert downer jr yeah. he, he went to jail for some kind of addiction and then now he's who people see as iron man right and and that's cool i mean and that's awesome that people can do that i mean anyone can it's just you know what i i just kind of you know i just i guess i get jaded with um with people like mcgregor and mayweather mm -hmm. for what they do but hey whatever i mean you gotta people gotta make their money yeah. so i mean you do it what you do and you know, if I don't care for it, don't try to be my buddy. <laughs> <laughs> like I was big on Rousey, like when on her heyday, because it's just like you never like UFC was you ain't been around for a while, but like in all the women's divisions, you never saw somebody finishing matches so quickly. Right. Like so, I jumped on the bandwagon. You know, then thing is like she got a big head, and they put her against somebody. Uh, Holly Holm, I think was the one. Yeah, Holly Holmes knocked her out. Yeah, yeah. And, like and so it's like she set this bar to where the other female fighters are like, okay, like. I can't say I, I can't say in their heads that okay Ronda Rousey's 
finishing fights as quickly. I can't say that. Mm. But you know, you look at like competitors like Holly Holm. Like I, I don't know the exact stats, but she's got like kickboxing titles yeah. and shit like that. I mean, she's a striker, and that was uh, Rousey's weak spot because she was a bulldog. Mm. She was very grounded pound. You know, yeah, but the thing is, is if she got you down with like a judo hold or t- I think judo is what she did. Mm. But you, she was solid. She was in the Olympics. Yeah, you know, she grabs you. She grabs you. Yeah, that's the thing. I'm not trying to say that she's not qualified, but that yeah, yeah. at the same token, it's that when you have a fighter that becomes a champion and goes to their head, it, it yeah, and also in it affects them in other degrees. I mean, I remember hearing rumors that she had issues with legality issues with the yeah. UFC and uh, Dana White and all that fun stuff. But at the same time, a lot of fighters, especially in something as uh, variable at, or varied as mixed martial arts, you once you get on top, now you have to study more. You have to look at all these fighters that are going to be coming for your title. So instead of doing like, you know, spe- you know, spending your time at photo ops and PR events, those are good for your career. They're really nice. But your career is gonna suck if yeah. you don't win. Yeah, when you get when you get to the top of the mountain, you can't you get soft because you're not climbing anymore. Yeah. yeah. So make the climb now. Instead of making the climb your 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 struggle. Now at this point, you have to look all around the top of the mountain mm-hmm. to see who's climbing up after you. Yeah. Learn what they do. Learn their weaknesses. Learn their strengths. Learn them as a person. If you can put yourself in the head of your opponent, you have got that's it. Ma- that's Muhammad Ali. That was you know? his whole thing. Exactly. And that's why champions, real champions, never give up studying the art, You know, the mm-hmm. passion. And the ones that get involved um, with the with the frills, bells, and whistles of being a champion, those are the ones that end up losing, and sometimes they lose pretty hard. Like McGregor is a great example. Yeah, I forget yeah. who took him down. Was it Diaz? I think it was Diaz. Yeah, I think yeah, I remember that because they had like what two fights, right? Yeah, yeah. The, well, they got a second <coughs> fight because he was like, "Oh, uh, I can beat you this time." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but what else is going on with you? Well, you know, aside from that, you know, I'm just getting, well, I was getting ready to move to Seattle within the next next year or so. Nice. But um, unfortunately, with this wonderful outbreak of lunacy and s- viral <laughs> stupidity, <laughs> I, I'm actually going to try to avoid there for a little while until the CDC says, okay, everyone's no longer insane. Yeah. Um, like I, I took an Uber the other day, and the driver tried to talk to me about it, and I was like, I don't know. Well, the, the thing is, is that, like, to me, this is just one more key on the chain to to freak us out, you know? And it gets dangled in front of us, and we have to react. Like, with, the, with, the, with this whole coronavirus deal, it's, it is very, it can be dangerous depending on how you treat it. You know, and a lot. What I think is funny too: a lot of the things that doctors are recommending to people all falls within the common realm of common sense. Wash your hands. Wash your fucking hands. <laughs> I mean, wash your hands. Watch what you touch. You know, if you're touching something grimy and dirty, think about it. <laughs> or if you're shaking hands with a bunch of people throughout the day, or you know, going to the grocery store and touching what somebody else touched don't touch your fucking face i mean don't rub your eyes or pick your nose or pick your teeth or whatever the fuck you do to get you know to end up catching that shit (laughs) i saw i saw a post from one of my friends that lives in dublin Mm -hmm. there was a 
the it was a picture of the shelf at a Walmart or something like that or whatever drugstore. Mm-hmm. All the hand sanitizer was gone. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it and it said uh, for the sake of something along the lines of everybody getting what they need if they limited people to two hand yeah, sanitizers. Well, and that was the thing. I mean, I actually experienced this myself because of what I do. I'm a maintenance man, you know. Um, so every, you know, every so often I have to have painter's masks on if I'm either oh, doing yeah. something with chemicals and all, you know, that type of stuff. And the two biggest locations that I get my supply from were completely sold out. That's crazy. And people, and this is like, I mean, these are supply warehouses. This isn't just, you know, Joe's Ace Hardware down the street that's, you know, the size of a small house. I mean, these people were bought out hard from cases and cases of this shit. And the part that's so dangerous of it is that it screws the people like myself who use that in their profession. You know, no in shit. my case, it's for, you know, uh, maintenance, you know, apartment maintenance. And, but then you have also medical professionals. Now, mm. granted, they have supplies of their own, but their suppliers... But they get their supplies come from that. Yeah, I mean, well, also their suppliers supply other people. So if that supplier is getting drained out from all these other places that common people have access to, the shipments that come now to hospitals and other emergency rooms and urgent centers, uh, urgent care centers, get screwed out. And and that's, that's the, crazy. And that's the dangerous part. These are people that are that have studied to learn how to save your dumb ass. <laughs> and because you decided you needed a hundred fucking cases of face masks and about you know three barrel drums worth of fucking Purell, you know, <laughs> now these people are gonna get sick, they'll die most likely, and now they can't take care of you because you try to save yourself. Well, you use enough hand sanitizer, you actually kill your own beneficial flora. Exactly, and it's it's just it's it's so asinine. I mean, it's <laughs> assilarious. I mean, it's, it's assilarious. <laughs> it, 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 I, I, I just don't get it. And I think that's going to be the title of this episode: assilarious. Assilarious. <laughs> I, I, just, I just don't understand. I mean, people can get scared, and that you know, fear is a legitimate thing to have. I mean, we wouldn't be human if we didn't have fear. We would be able to be able to survive without it. Yeah. But when you reach mass hysteria, it's just so uncontrollable that you have the chicken effect. You know, you have a coop of chickens. You put something that looks even like a fox or a weasel or something that threatens them that they can recognize. It can be just a lump of fur in a corner. They're going to freak the fuck out. It's like cats with cucumbers. Yeah, I mean, one will see it, and then one will start clucking like mad, and then the other ones will see that one clucking, not understanding why in its complete, you know, in being completely informed as to why. They just start clucking along with it, and then before yeah, you know it, the whole it's yeah, before you, the whole fucking coop is going insane, and it's just it's just it's too dangerous, and people just need to ease up, you know, watch what they do, wash their hands, be clean, you know, <laughs> you don't have to fucking douse yourself in Purell, you don't have to wear a face mask twenty four fucking hours a day. It's not SARS, you know, and just watch what you do. Well, and saying not SARS might be insensitive, but it's not SARS. Yeah, I mean, it's not SARS. It's not, you know, it's a, it, it, can, it can be just as dangerous as something as the Spanish flu well, that's in what the I've 1918s. Heard, that's what I've heard it compared to. Yeah. And it's, got like a long, it's got like a 28-day incubation date or something like that. Mm-hmm. Incubation date. 
But the the thing that made the Spanish flu dangerous was just the fact that it could spread so fast between people and people, you know, they especially back then, I mean, sanitary conditions weren't in the same level as they are now. Yeah. So something like that could easily just skyrocket without yeah. without any warning. But something like this, I mean, we have the capabilities to test for it. We have ways to figure out eventually how to at least cap it off, you know, or contain it long enough to where we can figure out then something do about it. But, you know, because there's so many, you know, so many things. There's, huh. a, there's a dog in the background messing with her collar. Sorry, we, guys. We have a jingle dog. Hey, chill. <laughs> Thank you. But, um, you know, like I was kind of saying earlier, people are scared to face the cost of what it would be to not just to go to the hospital, but to miss work, yeah, to not be able part. to pay your bills. And say you find yourself in the situation that, you know, maybe, maybe like that one case that turned out to be an Uber driver, right? you know, that you have that and that you don't know if that person has some, a child with a debilitating disease whose their lives are now dependent on you to get up, get out of bed, and go do your job. That's a scary thought. You know, what do you do at that point? You can't just go to little junior and say, oh, I'm sorry, Billy. <laughs> I can't get your medicine today because, well, I've got the coronavirus and I'm going to die too. That means the so dad. So move over. <laughs> Let's die together. That means the dad's name is Billy too. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's just. <laughs> I was trying to be lighthearted on. A little <laughs> South Park reference there. Well, no, you said junior. He said, hello, Billy. And then you said junior. Oh, yes, yeah. A bad joke. <laughs> wah, wah. Wah, wah. Go ahead. But, um,. But you have something like that, and you know what? There's, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news. There is a much larger amount of people like that mm. that could very well be carrying the virus. Yeah, like I said, and are stuck with it. Yeah, I mean, shit. If someone was to, if I was to have caught the coronavirus, and I had, you know, my daughter needed me to, you know, provide her with medication. Well, it's, like, it's, or, it's lethal rates pretty fucking low. Well, that's the thing is it's it is it is low, but it's a lot. Still, well, it's, it's lethal at all is concerning. It, it's it's lethal if you can't get treated. Hmm. If you can't get treated, it's lethal. And even if you can, it's still lethal. But I noticed it's being geared more told towards the elderly and hmm. either all people with pre-existing conditions. Hmm. If your body's already weakened, then something like that could probably take you out a lot easier than someone who's spry and healthy. Yeah, but. In either case, though, I mean, regardless, it's it's just, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of like one of those things. It's like, okay, everyone just kind of needs to unloosen their sphincters a little bit <laughs> and realize that the more we slack on this, the more we avoid taking this these precautions, it's just going to get worse. And not just on the, the actual virus itself. But on an economics and on an economic level, I mean, we're already seeing plummets in the stock markets. We're seeing l l more travel bans, restrictions, and things like that just revolving around this. Now, that could very well be just a, a convenient excuse for certain individuals or certain places or things or whatever. But it, it doesn't negate the fact that hey, <laughs> people aren't moving, commerce ain't happening. And we're all gonna get screwed. Yeah, people don't realize that, like, if uh, trucks aren't on the road, right? Bringing stuff to your grocery store, bringing gasoline to your gas stations, mm -hmm. just, everything comes to a stop. Yep. But you know, and then also we'll say, well, people need to bring this to the attention of the CDC, and da, 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 da. but that that's another you know kettle of fish 
that involves more than just simple medical, you know, medical professionals and people. It involves a whole nother round of crap, <laughs> but <laughs> but it is it is what it is, and you know the world has a tendency to release something like this to its population because well, guess what? It's called checks and balances. I mean, there I've always been a believer in the idea that it's always a balancing act, and the world has its own. It's the circle of life, my friend. Exactly, and when a population becomes. I mean, you, you, you look at, and this is what I'm always going to laugh about is because I love this analogy, is that you look at roaches. You have a house. You live in that house. It's your house. You like your house. You have a couple roaches. And you see them every now and then, but they're so rare out of sight that you forget about them. Now these roaches multiply. You might see them a little bit more frequently, but they're still far enough, you know, in between to where you can still forget about them or at least not consider them as much of a concern. So you go about doing your regular thing as always. Now these roaches have multiplied to a level to where you have no choice but to acknowledge them. And then you have an infestation. Yep. And what choice, you know, what what's your option after that? Do you just go buy another home or <laughs> do you make an attempt to quell this wonderful explosion, you know, populous explosion that has occurred inside of your domicile? I mean, you're most likely going to want to find a way to exterminate them. <laughs> the world, and I think everything, has a balance like that. Well, There's too much of something. It has to be leveled out. It's like predators and prey, stuff like that. Exactly. And, you know, too much of something is just, you know, it's <laughs> it's moderation on a species level. <laughs> there you go. That's, uh, that's kind of brilliant, actually. <laughs> And it's sad that I would compare the human species to cockroaches, but, I mean, that's the easiest well, comparison well, that I could think it's of. It's super accurate. You know, we consume. <laughs> what would you put in your bug out bag? You know, and all <laughs> You looked at me like, oh, shit. <laughs> well, that's the thing. As far as a bug out bag is concerned, it's good to have one. But I'm going to be honest, is if that scenario hits me, I'm most likely not going to be prepared in that sense. I'm going to have the wherewithal to mm -hmm. know how to survive, basically trying to make my way to wherever I'm making my way to yeah. by various means of, you know, looting <laughs> and pillaging. <laughs> but, I mean, my concern at that point is just to get out, and it's not about what happens after that. What happens after that happens after yeah. that, and that could very well be my undoing. <laughs> but, you know, it's you know, flight or fight. You know, if... Like I have a bug out bag, but a lot of it's um, you have to change your food up periodically because it, right. it does expire. It does expire. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. I probably have like something. If I was to make a bug out bag, it'd be literally revolve around things, probably around like medical supplies and in implements of hunting and destruction. <laughs> <laughs> My biggest concern is water. You know, like, so I, I have a water straw. I have like iodine tablets, stuff right. like that. You know, like living here in the desert, of course, food's going to be scarce, but being thirsty is going to kill you first. Mm -hmm. That's that's just that or somebody else trying to steal what you have. Right. <laughs> like uh, the water straw that I have, I forget what the ratings are, but I could go up to Reed Parker right here and drink out of it. Mm. <laughs> but there's only so many times you can do that. Exactly. 
<laughs> and if you ever decide to, let me know. I'll film that. <laughs> <laughs> Out of a latrine. <laughs> Drink the green water. It's fine. It's, it's on a dare. It's on a dare. That, that makes it okay. It's on a dare. <laughs> Never mind the ducks laughing at you. <laughs> oh, they would be laughing so, at man, me. Man, we shitting that. <laughs> <laughs> you're going you're gonna to have a sore throat tomorrow? Hey, hey Herb. Herb, you got to check this out. Look what this guy's doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, thanks for recording with me again, man. Oh, thanks for having me back on the show. This has been always fun. This, this has been Rufus the Villain with no real topic. So I hope you guys enjoyed. Take care out there, everybody. <laughs>